Good morning. Everybody okay? Wonderful. Well, I have, um, this, is, this is the last in the series of Water from the Rock. And um, I have the pressure, I mean the privilege, to share on the topic of uphold him as holy, him being God. And um, the, the scripture, the piece of scripture we're going to center this little time that we have together on is taken from Numbers, Numbers 20, 12. Just a bit of context. Um, what's happening right now is uh, the Israelites have been on their way to the promised land, the land that the Lord has called them to. Is it okay to jump straight in, by the way? Is that all right? Okay, cool. Um, the, the land that the Lord has been calling them to, the promised land, there's been ups and downs. There's been some incredible miracles along the way. as part of the Red Sea, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we're at this place, and I'm only recapping because if you haven't been here in the room for the past couple of weeks, if you've been in Barbados or whatever, I'm just bringing you up to speed. Um, <laughs> Um, and, and so what's happened is uh, the Israelites have come to a point and they have, they're complaining to Moses and to Aaron who are leading the camp and they're saying, hey, listen, we have no water. Uh, for us and our, our cattle, uh, they're dying. Um, I'm assuming they were probably concerned about the cattle because not many of them are vegans. Um, and so they were concerned that there was no water. And in actual fact, this whole thing just before this chapter, before this piece of scripture, Miriam has died. So Miriam was the woman, in fact, she first came to prominence in scripture where she said, she, uh, when they come through the Red Sea, she's the one that lifts up a song and she leads the Israelites in a song of praise to God for performing such an amazing miracle. She's just died. So everyone's pretty cheesed off. Their main worship leader, their main songstress has died. She's actually the sister of Aaron. And they've come to a point where they have no water, they're thirsty and they're irritated and they complain to Moses and Aaron. Everybody with me? Wonderful. I'm just trying to get through this as quickly as possible so we can get into the good stuff. So at this point, Aaron and Moses throw themselves down in front of the tent where God often meets them and his glory descends. And they complain to, well, they don't complain to the Lord. They say, Lord, what shall we do? Uh, and just before, just before we get, get to this verse, the Lord says to them, Moses, Aaron, hey, listen, this time go out and speak to the rock and water will come forth, um, and it'll provide for the whole nation. In his frustration, Moses picks up his rod. First red flag. God didn't say anything about a rod. Last time he struck the rock, he picks up his staff, and he goes to a rock, and he strikes it twice. We've heard this before. Strikes it twice, water comes out. But here's what, here's what God says to him after. Let's have the scripture up on screen. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me, to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land of Israel. I, um, I think this point right here communicates so much more than uh, just God's disappointment in Moses. It's incredible what can happen at the simple willpower and faith of a man to turn around and go, you know what, I'm frustrated, so I'm just going to do this in my own strength, and water comes. That, that on its own blows my mind. But then above that, the maker of heaven and earth, who actually gave him more authority and said to him, hey, you can speak to the rock this time. He's disappointed because he, Moses did it his way. Can we pray? Let's bow our heads. Father, I want to thank you so much. Because the entrance of your word brings life. Father, I want to thank you so much because you are here and we are here with you. A man said, you are more present than we are. <laughs> we acknowledge your presence. 
We acknowledge your grace and your goodness. We acknowledge your faithfulness to our own personal journeys. We look back and we've seen the goodness and mercy of God in loss, in highs, in lows. You have been good to us. Father, here where we meet, meet with us now and speak to our hearts. Transform us from the inside out. Renew our minds. Help us to see and to hear you and to be forever changed for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I have a daughter, she, some of you know. She's four going on 14, and um, she runs my life. She, like, okay, I have my wife, and then after my wife, she runs my life. And um, she's going to kill me later. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, and if I'm really honest, she, Raina, her name is, she has this way about her where she's very matter-of-fact. So when she says something or she, that she doesn't want to do something, it means that. That is it. Anyway, we moved up here a couple of years ago, and Raina was about two. And what happened was, we were all upstairs. It was a Sunday morning. Uh, Tinu, my wife, Jesse, we were all upstairs. We were getting ready, we were doing something. And Raina was downstairs eating her porridge. I'm just about to leave the bedroom, and I hear Raina from downstairs going, ah, no, ah, ah. I'm thinking, oh, no. We're playing worship music. We're getting ready for Sunday morning church. We're just having a nice peaceful morning. What's gone on now? And I'm hearing this, but I can't make up what she's saying because the doors are closed downstairs. So anyway, on my way down, it's getting clearer. Tinu shouts to me, can you hear rain? I said, yeah, I can hear rain. I'm going down to see what's the matter. The closer I get, I'm hearing, I said, what are you saying? I open the first door and it becomes really clear. She's going, I need Holy Spirit. I said, Raina? She says, I need Holy Spirit. I said, T, revival's come to our house. I said, Jesus is here. And she just keeps yelling it louder and louder. I need Holy Spirit. I said, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready. Whatever this looks like right now, I'm ready. Come, Holy Spirit. I go into the kitchen and she's crying, weeping. I'm like, this is it, Azusa Revival, Welsh Revival. It's all happening right here in my house in Tildesley. And then I look at her and I go, baby, it's okay. It's okay. Shall we pray? And she looks at me like, what? And she points. I'm like, visitation, I'm ready to turn around and see an angel right now, right? I turn around, and she's pointing at the cupboard. I'm like, is this a holy moment or what? What's going on in the cupboard? So I go to the cupboard. I open the cupboard, and my whole heart, my whole life just shatters. I take out a bottle, and I turn to my daughter, and I say this. She goes, yeah, Holy Spirit! Baby, it's called maple syrup. It's called maple syrup. It's called maple syrup, babe. Okay? So I say, wipe your eyes, wipe your eyes, wipe your eyes. Okay, maple. Say maple, maple, maple syrup. Tinu comes down the stairs by this point. Is everything okay? I say, it's okay, babe. Maybe another day. <clears throat> if I'm really honest, after I got over the disappointment, um, I, I, I started to ponder and think, what would that level of desperation for the things of God really look like in my life? What would that level of, she was in tears. And then I'm also reminded of in scripture when Jesus talks about having a childlike faith, a childlike heart. What would that level of desperation look like for me? Have I, have I forgotten what it means to pursue the things of God, the presence of God, the holiness of God, the authority of God, the word of God, his voice? What does that look like for me? I was deeply challenged. 
have I ever called out for God to help me to step into my situation like that and pour out his spirit? It challenged me. I am, if I'm really honest, I wasn't, after that situation, I came back to Rainer and, and, um, and we spoke more just about the Holy Spirit and what he can do. And I thought that's a great opportunity to disciple my daughter. And I also told her how funny it was that she was calling out for the Holy Spirit and how dad panicked. And she laughed at me and it was nice. But I realized in that determination, in that, in that desperation for my daughter, I was reminded that holiness is a choice. Holiness is a choice. When Moses and Aaron decided, to, when Moses decided to do it his own way and strike the rock twice, he made a choice to not do things the way God wanted to do him. And, and I was, I was, I was, as I was preparing for today, I was reminded of the immense uh, uh, need on a daily basis to choose the ways of God. The word holy quite easily means set apart. Also, if we've got it on, on screen, it means to be set apart. It also means to be sacred, to mean consecrated, uh, to be devoted to the service of God. That's what the word holy means. So when God says, you didn't uphold me as holy, he's saying, you didn't uphold me in a way that puts me apart from anyone or anything else. You didn't do things my way. I'm, I'm, I'm a, Today, as I, as, as I was getting ready to come, I was, I was praying this morning and I was, I was struggling with this whole thing, this whole theme of holiness because um, I realized it troubled me to my core because I've, the more I walk with Jesus, the more I realize I'm so far from that place of pursuing holiness. I'm, I'm so, I'm not there. I mean, the journey's beautiful and he's with us in the journey and there's grace and mercy for the journey, but I'm just not. I'm not there, and I realize the deficit that I have the more I look at this scripture, the more I lean into scripture in general, the more I, I wait on God, the more I inquire, the more I hang around with people who've been walking with Jesus, the more I realize I need more of him. I need to pursue, to lean into this thing called holiness, to do things his way, not my way, to be set apart from my natural tendencies and the way the world prescribes I should be. Is this making sense? Let's go back to the scripture, Numbers 20, 12. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land of Israel. If we zoom into the middle, because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. I... I was struck by that point of scripture because it reminded me of the importance of going, hey, I trust you enough to do things your way that you may have the glory with those around me. Even if I look like a fool. Moses could have spoken to the rock. It might have taken a few times. It might have, there's no guarantee. But I see this scripture and I see God, because when God, when God uh, I found in my own personal journey, whenever I, I feel a sense of, ah, oh, man, I got that wrong, or I got that, that area of my life wrong, or I made the wrong decision there, God is always gracious to break down where I've gone wrong. And what he's doing here for Moses is saying, hey, you didn't believe in my ways of doing things. And so the consequences, the, the result is, 
I am not presented as set apart for the people of Israel. And I, I am, I'm, I'm constantly asking myself, what do I need to continue to believe God for on a daily basis that shows him for being a holy God? Whether it be my family, whether it be my money, whether it be my time, how I work. How am I living on a daily basis that glorifies and shows off my God as holy? Later on in scripture it says this, that they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. What am I doing on a daily basis that shows my God to be holy? How am I walking that separates me from the rest, that brings glory to the Father? What am I doing to uphold God as holy? You still with me? Faith pleases God. Scripture is very clear about that. But what I think this piece of scripture suggests is holiness prepares the way for his promise. I've often, I often talk about my, my family. I love my children so much. And I've, I've learned on my journey of being a father, if I say something to my son, for example, the dishes. I always go back to dishes. I had trauma when it came to dishes growing up. I'm dealing with that, okay? Um, if I say to my son before he goes to school, hey, son, wash the dishes. Or wash your plate or wash your bowl before you go and whatnot. And let's just say I was, I was one of those dads that like to prove a point. I'm not, I'm not, but let's just say I was. Say he comes back from school and he's starving. He's starving. And he goes, dad, where's food? And I say, well, son, you didn't wash your plate. So um, what am I going to put the food on? Now, that's a very exaggerated situation. But what I'm trying to say is this. If he does things the way I tell him to do them, the promise comes quicker. The promise comes in the way that he really desires it because he's complied with me, the author of the, of the dinner time. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? It's a very, it's a very exaggerated scenario, but I'm trying to bring, bring uh, focus to the point of, hey, God wants our obedience and our submission in the small detail and the big detail so that he may be shown as glorious and holy. Our holiness prepares the way for his promise. In 1 Peter 1, 13 to 16, it says this, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set up your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. My mum, she's an incredible thinker, incredible mind, an incredible woman of God. And she, she always interprets that. She interprets that piece of scripture as this. Hey, you're an Isaac. I'm, I'm your mum. So be an Isaac. I said, mum, what do you mean? He said, you don't, have to, you don't have to strive. You just have to remember who you are. You don't have to strive. Just remember who you are and act like it. Walk in that identity, the identity of a holy God. So be holy because he is holy. When I, as I'm out here in the world, if I'm wherever, I, I remember my son and I remember the family I've come from. So I act in a way that I know my, would make my mom and my dad proud because I remember who I am. Be holy for I am holy, that's what God says. So that then, that then just removes all the, well, it's your acts and it's, your, it's what you do specifically. No, it's just your mindset. It's who you do things in honor of. It's who you do things in light of. 
is who you remember in every situation. A holy God. So for that reason, I'm going to do things this way. For that reason, I'm going to wait on the Lord and figure out how he wants me to do it. It's a mindset. Be holy for he is holy. To uphold our God as holy, we align with his holiness. We submit, we surrender completely. I joked about it earlier, about the pressure of having to deliver this. It is pressure for me sometimes as a human being speaking like this because I'm, I'm like, oh, man, I need to do better with this. And I sense perhaps maybe for us as a church family today, here in the middle of Wigan, God might be calling us to a deeper place of holiness, purity, humility, not doing things the way we want to or conforming to the old nature or even conforming to the way those around us do it, the successful. No, 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 no. Doing it as holy as unto the Lord and thus upholding who he is as holy. As I was reflecting, I, I thought, well, what does that look like practically for us? And, I'm, and I, I decided to present three different ways in which we can pursue holiness. Firstly, holiness in private. And I had a, I had a scripture come to mind, and I'm going to base these points around scripture because it's always good to base things around scripture. But holiness in private, this is our journey of pursuing holiness, of living a life of holiness, a life of being set apart that we may uphold him as holy. I was brought to Romans 12.1. And it says to you, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, in the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. I love the NLT version. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. With my body. with what I say, with the language I use in the heat of the moment, with what I eat, whether I need to eat that or that much, with this, a living sacrifice, when no one's looking, what I allow my eyes to see, what thoughts I entertain. Holiness in pursuit I was reminded of Zechariah 4.6. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. In what we pursue, when we, when we're, when we are, are, are inner desires, in terms of our motives, in terms of whether it be job, in terms of work, in terms of, in terms of our family aspirations. Understanding it is not in our own strength that we are led. We're not, we shouldn't be led by our emotions or what we can do. We should be led by the spirit, the voice, the ways of God. How often are we asking that question? Lord, what do you want? How do you want me to do this? This is where Moses and Aaron went wrong. And lastly, holiness in public. So we've talked about when no one sees us, we've talked about our motives, holiness in pursuit, and our holiness in public. But you are a chosen race, it says in Peter, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out, to, uh, out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. How we walk and carry ourselves around others can also bear testimony to who our holy God is. Holiness in private, our temples, our minds, our mouth. Holiness in pursuit, our hearts, our motives, our desires, the things we, we chase after. Holiness in public, how we present ourselves to others. All stems around remembering who you are and who you belong to. Is this clear? A really, really great quote I found by D.L. Moody, a great theologian. He says, a holy life will produce the deepest impression. Lighthouses blow no horns. They only shine. I, I am. Um, our holiness when it comes to public spaces doesn't start there. It starts from the private. But by the time it gets to public space, it is uncontrollable. You ooze it. You ooze being marked by a king. You ooze being marked by the maker of heaven and earth. 